Welcome to another PowerCast, where you get keys to the power of God. Let's pray before we get started so we can get the best results. Father, in Jesus' name, I want to pray to you about going over this study, about following God. It's such a broad topic. I want to make sure that I'm open to what you may want to say, what you may want to do. Also, go in the flow and the pattern that you would set. Please bless the listeners so that they're able to hear what it is that you're saying to them so they can follow you and have a life that you meant and designed for them to have. One full of blessing, one full of prosperity, one full of everything good, health, healing, relationships, being made whole and straight, and them getting into their purpose. I thank you, Father, that you can make this happen, and you will, because you said you will, as long as we're open and obedient to what you said. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, some of that prayer might be good news to you. Some of it might be new news to you. You may not know that God wants you to prosper, but if we look at Jeremiah 29, 11, and this isn't the subject today, we're talking about following God, but this ties into that. If we look at the Amplified Classic Version, it says, For I know the thoughts and plans that I have for you, says the Lord, thoughts and plans for welfare and peace and not for evil, to give you a hope or to give you hope in your final outcome. Now, if you're not prosperous, I don't, I feel like you may agree that that's a hopeless situation. If you're not doing well financially, this is not just financially, but this is also with your health. This is also with your mental uh, state. This is also with your bodily uh, state as well. All of these things, your relationships, if they're not prospering, it may seem hopeless that anything could change in your family, hopeless anything could change as far as your income. But God is saying that he wants you to have a future and a hope, and he wants you to have peace and well-being. And if you're having disaster happening in your finances, that's not peace. That's not well-being. If you look at the easy to read version, he says, I say this same chapter, same verse. I say this because I know the plans that I have for you. This message is from the Lord. I have good plans for you. I don't plan to hurt you. I plan to give you hope and a good future. If we look at the New Living Translation, I know the plans that I have, for I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. They're plans for good and not for disaster, to give you a future and a hope. If we look at the Living Bible, it says, for I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. They're plans for good and not for evil, to give you a future and a hope. So God wants you to have a good future, some hope that things will turn around just because that's what his plans are for you. But you have to trust him, of course. So that's saying, and he's even telling you, it may look like right now, that's not the case, but I have plans for you that your future will be turned around for good, that you'll have no disaster you'll have no calamity, you'll have peace, you'll have hope. So prosperity in any degree, uh, whether it's in your family, no matter what area it is, regardless, God wants that for you. Now, he doesn't want you to, of course, covet it or lust after it to the degree that you become vicious or you become self-centered or self-seeking. You can have no money and be that way, but he wants you to actually use that to prosper, bless your family, bless others, 
and to continue to give to his work that he's doing on the earth. So that's just something that I wanted to add in there. Because when we pray, we pray that God's will be done. That's part of God's will, is that you prosper and that his plans come to pass in your life. Now, today, we're continuing on the subject of following God. Now, this is part three. This is so broad, it could go to part 103. But we just want to tie in some main overarching themes over this subject of following God. What does it mean to follow God? How do we follow God? Today, we're talking about the dangers of not following God and why some people don't follow God. And this is pretty serious because it starts young on why we don't follow God. So let's look at our scripture here. The scripture we've been going to is Ephesians chapter five and verse one. And it says, be ye followers of God as dear children. Now in this version, King James, followers of God means to imitate God. It means to be like him to follow him as a child follows his parent. A child usually generally want to follow whoever it is that's over them. So this is really asking us to be the same way with God, who is our father. Then it goes into some examples on how we can do that specifically. But overall, we want to be like God. This is something Jesus taught also. He said, be like your father, be holy like your father's holy, be perfect and mature and grown up and complete like your father's grown up and complete and mature and perfect. This is uh, something that's going to help us along the way on what is the guideline for my life? Is it money? Is it people? Is it what the news says? Is it what my mind thinks? Is it what the experts say? Is it what society says? Is it what the government says? All these things change over time. All these things have been flawed over time. But one person that knows the insides and outs of how not only things are, but how they're supposed to be is God. And he can lead us that way as long as we're willing to trust him. And he's not asking for us to throw ration out of our minds to trust him. He's actually asked us in his word to come with our reasoning. Come with, this is why I don't, but go to God with it. Don't sit over there somewhere and say, I don't trust God because this and that, but never go to God and talk to him about it. So if you're admitting that there is a God, but you don't trust him or whatever it is, it's up to you to see if you can find out what's going on, to inquire, to ask of God. Isaiah chapter 45, verse 11 says, thus saith the Lord, so this is God talking, the Holy One of Israel and his maker Ask of me, ask me of things to come concerning my sons and concerning the works of my hands, command ye me. So he's asking you to ask him about it. Now, he's not going to come and impose on your life in case you're thinking, well, why doesn't he just tell me? No, he's not going to come and slam a whole bunch of information into your life. Life is already overwhelming without him doing that. Also, you have free will that you can turn and inquire of whoever you respect. This is about reverence as well. Look at Isaiah chapter 58, verse 2. The word says, yet they seek me daily and delight to know my ways. So he's talking about a group of people that actually want to talk to him, actually want to know his ways as a nation that did righteousness and forsook not the ordinance of their God. So they're saying they're talking to him as if they did righteousness. They did not go turn away from God and they're coming to him to inquire of him. He says further, they ask of me the ordinances of justice. How does justice work? What is right? What is wrong? 
they take delight in approaching to God. Now, later on, he starts saying that these individuals come and they're trying to be self-righteous, actually. This is what they're actually doing. Now, he says, he doesn't say that it's bad that they seek him. That's really the only way they can get out of that. But he's saying that they're coming kind of like, you know, who are you, God, to tell me what to do? Now, if you're going to approach God, you have to approach him with reverence. Sometimes it bothers them to see people have more reverence for men than they do for God. And this man can do nothing with your soul after death. They can't even do much with your body while you're on earth without an agreement of teams or agreement of some type of organization. Even the government, I mean, just one-on-one, -on -one, a president or a king or a magistrate most likely cannot handle physically. Now, may, this is different before kings would go out to battle, but generally one-on-one -on -one can't handle many people in the population. But as a unit, they may have some say-so over your body. But there's so much more reverence for one man who needs help to even do anything to you than God, who actually is going to judge the entire earth, which is just is sad to see. But we've lost so much reverence for God. This is one reason that this podcast has been formed to help us get that back, show us why it's important to have that. So if we're going to approach the God, we need to approach him like he's God, right? We're coming to God to ask him a question. And no matter how we feel about it, he is, we're going to him because he has more knowledge than we do. And then we're going to ask him why things are expecting that he'll know or expecting that he'll be able to explain it or expecting that he, at least if he's God is able to explain it. So this is somebody who already has made decisions long before we ever were. We're just trying to figure it out. Let's not go to him with an attitude or let's not go to him with a whole bunch of irreverence. Even if you're not happy about what's happening, let's not approach him as if he's not God. Let's just leave it like that. So we're talking about the dangers of not following God. And that's one of them. I mean, if you're coming to God without really making an effort to know him or know who he is, and you're, you know, it's kind of like someone who's in a conversation with someone else and they ask a question and they don't even care about the answer because they feel like their question is unanswerable by this person that's in any way justifiable. So you're not going to get any type of knowledge that way. You've already closed yourself off, even if the answer proves you to be wrong. And that's what it really comes down to. Most people don't want to be wrong. So let's look here. The dangers of not following God, the reasons and the results. That's what we're talking about today. So today we're going to discuss hindrances to following God or why we don't follow God and the dangers that come from not following God. So really it's three points, things that stop us from following God the reasons why we don't follow God. So that'll go from the outside to the inside and the dangers that come from not following God. Cause most of us think everything's okay, but we don't realize that anything that's going wrong in your life is coming from this. And if you don't understand that these things all operate together, our relationship with God operates together. You probably want to listen to the first two recordings and then come up to this one. So most of all, what we want you to remember today and throughout this message is that making a decision to live without God or not following God will open the door of opportunity to every bad and sad thing that could happen in your life and cause it really to happen. Not necessarily even cause it. It'll just open the door for it. So again, making a decision to live without God or not following God will open the door of opportunity to every bad and sad thing that could happen in life to happen. So what do I mean by that? 
Well, we just read how his plans for us are to give us a future and a hope and take us from disaster. That means that if we're not following that plan, if we're not in line with that plan or the one who made that plan, it could show us here's actually the steps on how you get to this place of success or how you just avoid disaster on your way down. Hey, when you take this road going down the street, watch out because there's a dip in the road on this side that could flip your car. And if you don't know that, then you're up to all of your insight. Now, let's say it's dark. Let's say it's foggy. Let's say it's snowing. Let's say a whole bunch of things that we don't know because we live in a limited linear capacity in time. If you don't have some type of hookup with someone who has foresight of that, you're left up to your own devices. And we know that no one has ever been obstructed or attacked in a way that may overcome them in some kind of way in this life. Uh, unless, of course, you maybe didn't live long enough to even see that. But most of us who have been alive for any amount of time have seen that something has hit us and caused us damage. And the only one that can help us to see through that is God. Now, how do we usually handle that? We just say, oh, that's a part of life. You just got to deal with it. And this also gets into other religions, which make claims that that's just a caste system we're born in. It just, it is what it is. And you're born into that fate. You can't do anything about it, get along with it. But yet we fight and struggle so much because we know God's place on the inside of us. We know that that is not a good life. That's not a normal life. And we can see better for ourselves. Now, God has helped saying, I'm going to help you get there. I'm going to help you get to where you can avoid catastrophe and avoid disaster. And even to the point to where if you may mess up along the way, there's some mercy for you. There's some things that can cause this to not take you out, right? Or, or cause so much damage that everything has to change now. And if you sometimes can have foresight, it'll cause you to avoid any damage along the way. Or as I also like to say, it's better to prepare than to repair. So let's go into this and see exactly what God wants us to see today. Now, I'm convinced that everyone needs to know this. You know something is missing and that something is God. Now, you may not know that it's God, but you know it's something. If you are not connected with God, you're like a fish out of water. Maybe you're thinking, well, you know, I'm not dying. I'm not like a real fish out of water. But you see a fish out of water, they're, they're struggling, right, for air. And they might get jumped back into water, right, drop back in taken out, drop back in. No, that's not a good life. That's not a, a pleasant life for a fish. Now you may think, well, things just happen, but they don't have to happen to you. It's not happening to every fish, right? Some are, some aren't, but you actually can guide and direct what happens with you. You can change what happens with your life, especially because you were made to have fellowship with God. It's also like, let's say Michael Jordan never played basketball. And instead, he was studying to do some other type of career. Even when he played baseball, it just was not a good fit for him. He could have did it just off the reputation that Michael Jordan had alone would have driven crowds to see him, would have made him valuable to the team, even if he wasn't that great. What the problem is, is that he wasn't made to do that. So it never really worked out. And look what basketball would have lost without him or Wayne Gretzky or Bay Ruth, or Joe Montana, or world-renowned doctor like Ben Carson, who separated the Siamese twins, which was revolutionary for that time. There's just so many individuals who have made strides for mankind and for the betterment of maybe just the field they're in, that if they did not have that, or if we did not see that, we may still be behind the ball here. So this is what it is for your individual life. You are the superstar of your life. 
And what type of life you live, even though it may be okay, is not exactly what it should be without God. So remember, without God, it's like a fish out of water. It's like a bird without wings. It's like a champion fighter that never stepped inside of a ring. It's like a master architect that could make amazing buildings, but instead you're teaching math to high school students. It's okay to start there, but you're always going to feel like you have your shoes on the wrong feet, so to speak. Some of us, I think, that are listening to this or that will listen to this are close to doing what you believe you were meant to do. And without God, you would be like Jesus, but just the carpenter version. That was good for him for a season. Jesus was a carpenter by trade for a season. And that's close to where he was supposed to be. But when that season's over, now he's out of place. If he stayed a carpenter, he never becomes the subject of even this discussion. So much does not happen because he did not get in tune and in line with what God had for him. See, people knew who Jesus was when he began to perform the supernatural about the age of 30. He was not a stranger to his local environment, so he was really good at being a carpenter. He was known like some of you are. You're known because of who you are, what you've done individually. You may be the funny guy or the interesting guy or the smart guy. Maybe even in another sense, you're the know-it-all or the annoying guy. But people don't just jump from being average to being above average or super average I should say super above average, by just living day-to-day lives. The same routine will produce the same thing going in the same direction. Now, that's not to discount being faithful to where you work or where you serve or where you volunteer or what you're a part of. Those things do pay off, just like working even as the lowest paying job in the country will usually have a raise going down the line or a promotion or more responsibility. It does increase. Also, this is not to discount the fact that sometimes abnormal things, do, abnormal things do happen. So if a producer randomly hears someone singing, a music producer randomly hears someone singing when waiting in line at the store and hires them and it changes both their lives forever, that is not the norm. It can happen. I wouldn't look to that as the norm. The chances of that happening are so small to bank on that. You're going to be one of those one in a thousand or million that you're just chancing that you might be that one. So I'm not discounting that you shouldn't try to do things that are outside. Actually, I'm saying you should try to do things that are outside your daily routine, but don't bank on the abnormal to just happen in a normal way. I hope that makes sense. So what I'm talking about is with everything being equal, you need to discover, pursue, learn, understand, get acquainted with, partner with, commit yourself to, desperately cling to, and most of all, accomplish the reason that you were placed on earth, the reason you were placed on earth. What are you here to do? You're not an accident. You're not the result of random activity. If you were, why would you ever know it? There's no need to develop a desire in yourself if you came about by mere chance, luck, or some other random source. No, you crave desire, and that is only, hear me, only accomplished by being in a relationship with your spiritual father, who is God Almighty. That's how you achieve your purpose. That's how you find out why you're here. This is, desire does not come from just surviving, because a lot of people are surviving and still hungry. A lot of people make it to the top of the mountain, and they look and say, there was nothing there. There are a lot of millionaires and billionaires that find that out. And that's why there's so much discord 
even among some of the elite or so-called elite among us. So remember, without God, trying to find your purpose is like trying to find a needle on Earth that is on Mars. Okay, you have to go to Mars to get it. You have to go to God to get your purpose. Now, we're going to go over some points on why some people don't follow God. Why do people just not follow God? I mean, if it's obvious, everybody would do it right. That's what you would normally, that's what you would normally think, right? If exercise was obvious, why doesn't everybody do it? If eating food was obviously good for you, why are some people anorexic? There's so many different reasons to this. I can only cover some, but I do want to cover some. The first reason is we're taught wrong. Sometimes we're just taught wrong. Now, I was in college and a professor told us to watch out when someone says this is the only way or there is only this option. Now, he didn't tell us why, but I knew what he was trying to attack. I could kind of sense it. He and I was a young believer at this time. Now, he ended up talking about faith and religion, of course. Now, I was young in the faith. I didn't say much. Uh, just in general, I was in a learning mode. I just found God recently. Now, for some reason, I never doubted that God existed, even before I really knew him. I figured as being over the universe, he was busy doing his thing. I was busy doing mine. It's, uh, it's obvious that everybody's not just walking around with someone who is over the whole universe, right? I mean, even trying to walk around. Fans who do extreme things just to see their superstar usually don't meet their superstar, and they're a man. Right. They're on Earth. You can go point to them. You know exactly where they live. You can look it up. You can find out what their routine is. Hard to even find them. Why would I be able to find God easily? Doesn't mean you shouldn't try. It doesn't mean that there's not a way. That's what we're talking about is following God. Why would God tell us to imitate him and be followers of him if he's not able to be followed? Right. It doesn't make any sense. So I was young. I didn't say much. I was not dissuaded from my belief in God. Since I had this kind of thought that, well, he's just doing his thing, I'm doing mine, I didn't get taken away from the faith so easily like a lot of my peers did in college. I was not dissuaded from a belief in God when I heard people say things about God and the Bible because I was in a long distance relationship with God and I had enough sense to know that if you don't know someone that well, then you don't have any business making definite decisions and determinations on who they are, right? Or how they think and what they do or why they do what they do. You know, it's just super simple common sense to me. For instance, if you don't really have a good relationship with your relatives or with some extended family members, for me to say that I know they're like this or they're mean because I heard this or they don't exist, right? it's just absolute foolishness. So I never really got dissuaded from that because I thought, you know, he's doing his thing, I'm doing my thing. Now, that's not to discount that the relationship I felt like I did have with God was very personal and sincere. I didn't grow up under a solid conviction of God's existence. Faith in my family was something you like put on and take off. It's just something you, you know, if you want to, it's nice to know, but it's not necessary. I wasn't really taught to pray that I can remember, but I know I did pray every night as a young boy. I prayed for things I was never told to pray for. My siblings didn't. So I know we weren't really taught this and nobody ever checked to see if I was praying or anything like that. Sometimes my parents seemed surprised that I was praying even. So I wasn't really taught these things. I prayed for things I was never told to pray for. Even while my father was alive, I had my own relationship with God. That was not the greatest by any means, but it was there. So someone telling me God doesn't exist, I was like, well, how do you know? That's what I always thought. And when they would give their reason, I could always tell that they seemed to just not like God. 
I like how Frank Turek, he's an apologist, usually when he's personifying these type of thought patterns and the speech pattern, these slogans that people say, God can't exist because this, he'll usually say that what they're saying is that God doesn't exist and I hate him. So I think that personifies what I hear as an argument a lot of the times. Now that wasn't their words verbatim, but it was just in their words, like they were talking about a person they fell out with. And many times they did not seem convinced of what they were saying. It seemed like they were trying to convince themselves, like they had packed together arguments against God that were personal. Like they would say, do you believe that those things happen in the Bible, man? I mean, why would God do that? Right. And so that means that because they don't agree with the actions that he doesn't exist is kind of kind of silly, right? It is not that he was even illogical many times. It was just that they didn't agree with it. And of course, there's so many reasons that we may not agree with what God did or what the Bible says he did and what's written in the Bible about what he did. But many times it's a personal issue. It's a moral issue. And many times we're basing our morals on what we feel. And many times those are going to conflict with each other. Now, here's another reason that people many times don't believe in God. They won't let God be God. They won't let God be God. Now, with this one, many times I would hear people say, do you believe those things happen in the Bible, man? Like a worldwide flood? Do you believe that there's a God in the sky? Come on. But then they'll turn around sometimes in the same day and maybe even in the same conversation and talk about how sure they are that ghosts exist or aliens or demons. They would talk about how they believe in spontaneous combustion or that people could read other people's minds. They believe in the ice age. And to my thinking, if the world could freeze with water, why couldn't it be covered with water? Sometimes they'd even go as far as to deny God's existence or how we don't really exist (laughs) or how the world was made from nothing at all and believe in existence of other far less rational gods that have far less, far less, far to the 50th power less less evidence for their existence. And they're more willing to grasp onto that. So many times it's a rebellion. They don't want God to be God. They don't want God to actually have influence over their lives because it imposes on how they're living on, on how they're thinking and on how they do their lives and how they do their everyday life. And this is poisonous actually, because if God exists, if God is God, it doesn't matter what you think about it. Right? I mean, if I exist and You just don't like what I do or I don't know anything I do, how I pump my gas, whatever. If you don't like how, you know, I vote, whatever, if you don't like it, that's not a reason to think, well, since I don't like it, he doesn't exist. Like that's just, it doesn't make sense that way. There might be other rational reasons, but that's not a rational one, especially if we're going to argue in the same vein regarding the existence of that person. So saying, I don't like how that person votes, so I don't think they exist, but then say that, you know what, I do like that we can vote, you know, it's like, I mean, to, to argue for something else that's along the same line, like arguing against God's existence, but then believing in demons or demon possession or something like that is just, it's outlandish or ghost or aliens or whatever. Most people are materialists. They don't believe in any of that. And I believe that's a more rational take on what happened. But then many people who are materialists believe, and I've heard this, that there's no such thing as miracles 
But then we say, well, how do you explain the existence of life? How do you explain how everything came to be? How do you explain the I or consciousness and the I, which is irreducible in its complexity? You have to have all the parts for it to work. How do you explain these things? And they say, well, you know, isn't that a miracle that we have it? And it's like, well, how, how can you say that? So you want to make sure you think through your worldview. That would be another reason. You want to think through your worldview. You want to know why do you believe what you believe? Where did that come from? You also want to watch what you're being influenced by. It doesn't matter who it is. You don't want to have someone give you information with their point of view on it because you sometimes we take both. We take their opinion and the point of view. And the opinion is just many times based on their experience or how they think about it. And it has nothing to do with the actual evidence that's set forth. Many times we have a lot of outliers that have no agreement because of this exact same issue. Many scientists are giving philosophy versus science. And scientists many times make poor philosophers. And that brings me to my next point. Why don't people follow God? Why do people are hindered from following God? Because many times people are teaching and giving opinion outside of their expertise, but their reputation brings weight to it. Their reputation brings weight to it. If a scientist has just discovered life on another planet, then all of a sudden, sometimes we're listening to that same scientist about marriage issues or moral issues or finances. That does not mean that they're an expert in finances or something else. What they studied is an expertise. Sometimes people can have multiple areas of expertise, but that does not usually mean that that is the case. So we want to watch out for that. Now, going back to this professor, he was actually teaching critical thinking, so he wasn't too far away from what he was actually speaking about that day. And some would say, some of what he would say, I knew I shouldn't make this effective in my thinking nor in my life. So he said that if someone says this is the only way to heaven, don't believe them. Don't believe anyone who says that this is the only way. Now, I didn't say much at the time, yet I knew that this did not add up. Why would there be limitless ways to get to a limited location? Well, how can I get to your house if I'm sitting in my house? Okay, I'm going to go to your house and I start heading to my house and then I go sit down. Short of teleportation or a miracle, there's no way for that to happen. If I want to go forward on a straight line, I cannot get there going backwards. You, you just can't do it. Or if I want to go to the right on that line and, and it doesn't connect to the beginning somehow, I would only be able to go forward, right? I wouldn't be able to get back to the beginning from going forward on a linear path. For instance, if I want to live, I can't die, right? If I want to sit in that classroom even and listen to this individual, there's not limitless ways to do that. I had to register and pay, right? I couldn't register and not pay. I couldn't pay and not register. I had to, and I knew people who could not pay the bill for that class and could not get into that class, even if they could get into other classes. So there may be more than one way to do some things, but who is that up to? Well, in a situation of going somewhere legally, that's up to the person in charge of that location. So if I say you can only come into my house through the front door, you can try to come in through the back door or the window, but you'll be forced to leave immediately because that's what thieves and robbers do. That's not the way I asked for you to do it. So once I ask you to leave, now it becomes more of a legal issue. Matter of fact, almost everything we do on this earth is a legal act. 
Let's look at John chapter 10, verse 1 through 2. It'll further illustrate this. Jesus is speaking. He says, Truly, truly, I say unto you, he that enters not by the door into the sheepfold, but climbeth up some other way, the same is a thief and a robber. But he that enters in by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. So the shepherd takes the door in. He takes the right way in. The, the owner takes the proper way in. And there is a proper way in. He said the door, right, on this particular place. Maybe if there were mul multiple doors, you can get in. But even what we see about heaven is gated, right? There's It's a city. It's at one location. We're still talking about following God. Now, if you follow man, you're going to end up confused. And what I mean by following man is if you're following a man apart from God. So you need to know what God thinks, what he says, what he wants. If you just look at someone who is great at handling money and you listen to him and he's trying to now give you marriage counseling, you might be in great trouble, right? He might try to treat that marriage like money, right? Or treat marriage through money. But that's not how you deal with a human being. See, they're not experts on marriage like they are on money. But see, God's an expert on everything. There are some people who are famous from acting who are giving political advice and have no more skill or understanding in politics than a child. So you want to make sure that the expert that you're listening to is an expert in what you're listening to them in. Now, yet another reason why people don't follow God, why people are hindered from following God, is that they want other things or other people to be God. They want to go to somebody they can see. They don't want to wait on God. They don't want to really go through the method that God said. They'd rather pick someone else to rule their life. Who's a guru? Who's a know-it-all or, or whatever may be the term. But the first commandment is about having God be first. So he says, don't even worry about doing all the rest. If, you're, if I'm not first, you don't even care about anything else I'm saying. Right? Let's not act like we respect God, but we don't have God be God. We don't respect him as who he is. Right? You can't say that you respect a king and treat him like he's not a king and say, oh, yeah, I respect the king. You know, when he comes into my house, you know, I pretty much ignore him. Don't do anything for him. You know, he asked me to do something. He gives me a decree. I just straight ignore it, you know, but, you know, he's, he's still king and I respect him as king. No, no, you don't. You can't say that you respect your parents and, you know, you're not giving them reverence. You're not obeying what they say at all. You're obeying your friends first or just only even. And when they talk to you, you're ignoring them. You're telling them to get out of your face. But you're saying, but I respect my parents. No, you don't. So because God's the one you should listen to and he can help you and direct you to anyone else that you should listen to. He did establish leaders that he approves, but the devil can also make people leaders, too. The question is, do you know who is who or which is which? Are you basing it on how you feel? Or how nice a person may seem to be. Because we found some corrupt things about people who seem to be very good in history. Then we found some very noble things about people who seem to be evil in history. Seemed like they were maybe misunderstood. Or maybe when we looked at it from their point of view, then we saw exactly why they did what they did. We want to make sure that the people are qualified. That's why you need a relationship with God. He can say, listen to this person, not this person. You may look at him and say, what? <laughs> Why would I do that? And he can then lead you on. And some of this is trust, right? Just like you would trust anybody else. Just like you would trust 
your wife to be faithful to you, right? If you knew she wasn't going to be, you would make decisions right now that are different than the decisions you might make if you don't know. And you don't know, or you don't know what's going to happen. Short of them giving you signs, or short of God giving you a sign, you don't know what people are going to do. So you have to build many things you do on trust, right? If your brand new car stops working, and that has happened, there's recalls, you did not expect that to be the case. Sometimes you're shocked, right? So you are trusting that that car is going to operate like it is. It's a new car, should work, right? I trust people to take care of my kids when I'm there, that they're not going to start doing something crazy, no matter what their reputation is. You're going to have to do use some kind of trust with God, just like you do with anybody else. So what do most people say about individuals who commit murder, kidnap children, abuse their spouse, and so on? Well, you've heard the news. Usually witnesses and people who knew them said they never would have dreamed they would do such a thing. Now, I remember one report, and this is just an example about making sure that you're not trusting man over God or having someone else be God, this point that we're on. Now, I remember one report, report, news report about a group of young girls who had been kidnapped and kept in an individual's basement. The next door neighbor to the kidnapper said that while the kidnapper was away, he saw one of the young girls in the house trying to signal for help through the window. She had gotten free from wherever she was being held prisoner. Now, the neighbor recognized the girl from the news report and called the police. When he was asked about it, he said, the kidnapper seemed like just a regular guy. He would come over to barbecues and hang out and talk sports and joke around him. And he thought, man, this guy's down to earth. Only the Lord can help you see things the way you really should see it. I remember in my own experience, there was a business deal that I could have taken. And the Lord showed me at one point that this individual was going to end up robbing from me when I did not, uh, when I wasn't paying attention or as I was doing business with him, he was going to sneakily be robbing from me and I would notice it later on. So instead of me going through and saying, maybe that was just, you know, maybe I'll just keep on going because this is a really good deal. Everything looks right. This guy's talking right. He sounds good. He's professional. He's well-kept. He's got a reputation. I listened to the Lord on that one and I cut it. And sometimes you're going to have to do that. And sometimes you may not even see anything. It just may be the Lord prompting you to sever the relationship. But if you don't have a relationship with the Lord, how are you going to know? Now I'm going to end with this scripture on this one. We'll continue on the next one. Now this is Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12 through 13. This is why you need God in your life. You need God's word in your life. You need God's influence in your life. It says, for the word of God is quick or alive and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder or dividing apart of soul and spirit and of the joints and marrow. Now, this is the line I want you to hear. And is a discerner or can tell the difference or is able to determine and distinguish the thoughts and intents of the heart. And that's what happened with me, that I was able to tell the intention of the individual without ever seeing them do anything. And it also says in the next verse, neither is there any creature, there's nothing created that is not manifest or made known in his sight. He can see it all. But all things are naked 
and open unto the eyes of him with whom we have to do. Now, not naked in, you know, the, uh, just the physical sense of not having clothes on, but it means that everything's exposed to him. He can see it all. He can see where this terrorist is hiding. He can see where this is going on. And of course, if you want to find out why he doesn't reveal things to certain people at certain times, you're going to get a lot of that just from spending time with him. And some things you're only going to get by prayer. You're only going to get by taking time away from other noise so you can hear his voice. And then there's some things that he doesn't want you to know, but he'll tell you that. He'll tell you that, that that's not for you to know. That's personal. It's between me and that person. But instead of going around grumpy, you could at least find out. And you find out by following God. So we'll pick this up in the next episode in our power cast, which is giving you keys to the power of God and why it's important for your life. Till next time. God bless you.